Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In segment three, we'll be joined by Paul Swangard, the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. We'll talk Wimbledon. We'll talk about the marketability of U.S. Open champion Lucas Glover. And we'll talk about the 80 different combinations of the new Nike-designed University of Oregon football uniform. That's coming up in segment three with Paul Swangard. In segment four, we will talk about the NBA draft and the... Uh, plethora of activity in the NBA this week. Big names on the move. Shaquille O'Neal, Vince Carter, Mike Miller, and really the NBA has become the haves and the have-nots, and we will talk about that in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can become our Facebook friend or follow me via Twitter. Just visit my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com and link to the Sports Business Radio Facebook and Twitter pages. I'm joined in studio by Nathan Roach and our producer, Bobby Corser. And Nathan, uh, lots going on in the sports world this week, but frankly for me, and I know for you, because we spent some time on Thursday night together, took a back seat to the passing of the King of Pop, Michael Jackson. And you know, I know this isn't an entertainment show, but... You just remember certain events in your life. When Elvis died, when Princess Di died. Uh, This is a polarizing moment for me. I grew up with the music of Michael Jackson. Thriller, Michael Jackson's album, sold 100 million albums. He's performed at the Super Bowl halftime show in 1993. And when you think about the most iconic people on the planet, Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali, Maybe Tiger Woods, but Michael Jackson is as well-renowned as anyone on the planet. Well, yeah, and we all remember uh, Michael Jackson's advertisements with Michael Jordan, Be Like Mike, and also another connection to the sports world, Magic Johnson in uh, Michael Jackson video. Was it Do You Remember the Time? Do You Remember the Time? Yeah, he was like an Egyptian guy. Yeah, sad week. I mean, Ed McMahon, Farrah Fawcett, and then Michael Jackson all passed this week. So a tough week for the entertainment world. But we plow ahead with our world, and we've got headlines coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. I'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center, passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for the Sports Business Radio Headlines of the Week, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, Major League Baseball Player Association Executive Director Donald Fear resigned this week. He says he'll be gone no later than the end of March 2010. This ends a 26-year run in which he has led the Major League Baseball Players Association. And as I said on Twitter this week, Nathan, good riddance Donald Fear. If we could only get rid of Bud League now, maybe we could turn the page on the steroid era and get rid of two of the biggest shams of the last 25 years in the sports world. Donald Fear leads a strong union, and I guess you could say he's done a good job because he's covered up this performance-enhancing drug problem for all these years. But in my opinion, he's one of the guys that you look at and you say, this guy helped ruin the sport. Well, yeah, but I, and I don't want to defend Donald Fear in any way, shape, or form, but his job as the head of the Players' Union is to protect the players. So if you're looking at it from that standpoint... He did a good job. Bud Selig is the real villain here, if you will, and fear stepping down is just one step in the direction of cleaning up baseball. I agree with that. But if you're in his position, you're in between a rock and a hard place because you got all these players using steroids that you're supposed to be essentially representing. Well, yeah, okay, so you're sticking your head in the sand, basically, and saying, I know they're cheating, but I'm going to stick my head in the sand because my job is to protect them. Now, Major League Baseball Player Association General Counsel Michael Weiner is going to be his successor, supposedly. This still needs to be voted on. But uh, I don't know much about Mr. Weiner, but all I can tell you is if he's of the same ilk of Donald Fear, then I don't want him in there. Because I think that baseball, and I've said this for a long time on this show, baseball needs new blood. I don't care if you bring in Bob Costas as the commissioner. I don't care who it is, but it needs to be Keith Olbermann, someone that is eloquent, someone who knows the history of baseball, someone who respects the game, and someone who continues to clean up the game of baseball. Because, yeah, we've seen uh, a lot of players outed in the last few years, and we're seeing the home run totals aren't as great as they were a few years ago, so maybe they're not using the drugs like they used to. But, you know, look, you look back on the last 25 years and you see what Bud Selig and Donald Fear have done to the game and how they stuck their head in the sand in the sake of money. Money for the players, bigger contracts for the players, money because there's more people coming out to the games. Uh, I think, you know, these are two guys that when we look back on the game of baseball 25, 50 years from now, you're going to go, That was the uh, black cloud era of baseball. Well, especially when you compare it to the late Gene Upshaw of the NFL, I mean, who did a great job in his position. When you Then you look at Donald Fear, and you it's not even in the same ballpark. So, again, I, I hope that this is a step in the direction of cleaning up baseball, but uh, we'll see how the successor does. Headline number two, George Gillette agrees to sell 80% of his stake in the Montreal Canadiens as well as control of the Bell Center and the Gillette Entertainment Group to a group headed by the Molson family. And all signs indicate that the deal could be estimated at $550 million. Now, Nathan, when you're talking about iconic sports brands, you're talking about Manchester United, you're talking about the New York Yankees, talking about the Lakers and the Celtics, the Montreal Canadiens, who have won 
many championships and are probably the preeminent franchise in the NHL, $550 million, a lot of money. I think if they were just being sold by themselves, we'd probably be looking at $350 million. But when you add in the uh, Bell Center and Gillette Entertainment Group, that's what gets the value of this deal up to about $550 million. And by the way, you know we may see a rash of NHL sales in the next several months and we'll talk to Paul Swangard about that uh, coming up in our next segment. Well, not a bad time to sell right now coming off of a fairly successful NHL season in, you know, compared to the last couple seasons, but I got to be honest, even with all that package, I'm still surprised 500 million dollars seems like a lot of money right now to invest in an NHL team and uh, you know, I'm curious to see how that's going to shape out cuz certainly when you start comparing it to the billion dollar Yankees, it's not even in the same arena. Our next headline, Lucas Glover wins the U.S. Open. Not Tiger Woods, not Phil Mickelson, not even David Duvall, who kind of came out of nowhere and used to be ranked number one. Now he's ranked like 878 in the world, and we'll get to that in a minute. But the ratings for NBC, about 6.3 million viewers tuned in on Sunday, and uh, Monday, the rating was uh, about a 3.8, so not great ratings, and I think the weather really hindered the ratings because people probably turned on the TV, and then they went, okay, it's in a rain delay. I'll come back. When is it going to be on? Monday, people are at work, and I don't think they got the ratings that they wanted for this thing. It was a compelling finish because Phil Mickelson was uh, in the hunt and everyone was pulling for Phil Mickelson because of his wife Amy and her battle against breast cancer. But then you had David Duvall, who was also a compelling story because, again, this guy you know, was on top of the world. He was number one. He is all the way in the 880s now, and he had a legitimate chance to win this thing. So several storylines going on here, but one of them is I look at Nike Golf. Nike Golf, who expects to get most of their exposure from Tiger Woods ended up getting a bonus because they got great exposure from David Duvall and from the eventual champion Lucas Glover, both Nike golf endorsers. Well, yeah, and then you look at Tiger Woods and you realize how close he might have been to being in that final uh, stretch on Monday. And let me just say one thing about uh, about the PGA and, and, and what we're seeing with mobile applications. It is getting better and better to watch video live on demand. I mean, this was the best one so far for me, being able to watch the final round of the U.S. Open. It was clean, it streamed well, and it looked great. So this is just a, more of what's to come, I guess. Our final headline of the week. The United Kingdom is feeling the effects of the global recession as much as any other region, but it's certainly not hurting the attendance at Wimbledon. Earlier this week, there was a crowd of... Nearly 46,000 fans that came to the All England uh, Lawn and Tennis Club, Nathan, and I know you've been there. And, you know, that was more than about 3,000 fans than they had last year. And obviously, Roger Federer is in the mix. He's going for Grand Slam number 15, which would be an all time record, breaking Sampras' record. But uh, a lot of big names have lost. Sharapova has lost. James Blake has gone down. And while the TV ratings aren't great, it seems like. Uh, people are still going to the actual event in uh, London. Well, one of the coolest things is the tradition of Wimbledon. Queuing up the night before, I had the opportunity to do it when I was working over there. I decided to sleep out in the queue with the rest of the people, and it really is a tradition. And and the Europeans and the Brits are very strong into tradition, and, and I don't know that the economy is going to hinder that as bad as it might here in the States. All right, so coming up next... 
Paul Swangard. He's the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. We'll discuss a number of different things with him, but we'll also discuss the University of Oregon. They've got new football uniforms, 80 different combinations. That's one of the storylines. But the other storyline is that the University of Oregon has really become Nike's test lab, whether it's for football, basketball, running, the high-performance apparel and footwear that Nike is developing is being tried out at the University of Oregon. And how might that help the Ducks with their recruiting efforts? If all things are equal, and you know you can go to a school that has unbelievable facilities, but also has a great relationship with Nike because, oh, the co-founder of the company just happened to go to the University of Oregon, uh, that might be something that would sway your decision to get you to go to the University of Oregon. So we'll talk about that with Paul Swangard. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. I've got a confession to make. I'm a sucker for good ice cream. There's nothing better than watching a sporting event while enjoying an ice cream cone, or better yet, fixing an ice cream sundae with my daughter. Lucky for me, I found an indulgent ice cream at an affordable price. Moose Tracks ice cream comes in a variety of flavors, including chocolate moose tracks, extreme moose tracks, mint moose tracks, and of course, original moose tracks, just to name a few. What's my favorite moose tracks ice cream flavor? It's chocolate moose tracks which is chocolate ice cream with peanut butter cups and famous Moose Tracks fudge. For a chocoholic and peanut butter lover like me, it's heaven. What's your favorite Moose Tracks flavor? To find the Moose Tracks branded store nearest you, check out the store locator at moosetracks.com. That's M-O-O-S-E-T-R-A-C-K-S dot com. Or find the Moose Tracks banner on our website at sportsbusinessradio.com. Moose Tracks ice cream, the official ice cream of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Paul Swangard. He is the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Paul, thanks for making time as always. Always great to be on with you, Brian. So, Paul, last weekend going into the U.S. Open, uh, people talking about Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, obviously, uh, lots of big names that could have won the U.S. Open. And Lucas Glover, ranked 71st in the world, takes home the $1.3 million paycheck and wins the U.S. Open. Now, we saw he has the Nike logo and he uses the Nike putter and wears their apparel. But do you think Lucas Glover is marketable and will the Open victory gain him some new endorsements? Oh, it most certainly will. I mean, and he'll be able to ride, you know, the, the, the fame of being the reigning U.S. Open champion all the way through to next year's tournament. I, but I would liken it to somewhat what we see in an Olympic year with an Olympic champion, somebody who, you know, comes out of nowhere in most cases and becomes sort of an overnight sensation. The the opportunities are probably in sort of a honeymoon period of the next few months, uh, and then again on through his. Uh, trying to defend that championship. But, you know, if he continues to play well this uh, summer, he's got a couple of more major championships to be involved with. But, uh, you know, it's a great story, and and folks at Nike, I'm sure, are very pleased, even despite the fact that their number one guy wasn't able to uh, recover for some early poor performance on the course. They were able to at least trumpet 
that someone using their products, uh, both in, in club form and in apparel form, was able to, to hoist the championship trophy. Yeah, it was really interesting talking about Nike Golf. You know, Tiger Woods is the guy who's usually on the top of the leaderboard and getting most of the FaceTime on TV. But uh, come the end of uh, Monday's round, David Duvall and Lucas Glover, those were the guys that were really getting most of the exposure for Nike Golf. Well, and I might argue that, you know, Duvall may ultimately have, uh, you know, more opportunity. Here's a guy who, you know, was once uh, among the top-ranked golfers in the world, now ranked 882. He's obviously gone through some, you know, some challenges with his play and, and his off-the-court situations. But I think he, you know, he's somebody that, People know and 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 maybe will gravitate to the you know the challenge with these guys is you know away from what they can do on the course it really comes down to their ability to you know move a product or service needle with their charisma and their character and you know for the most part these guys seem like nice guys but they just don't carry the kind of uh, charisma I think that you know you turn to with a Phil Mickelson or or a Tiger Woods or some of the other guys that uh, usually stand the test of time when it comes to getting those endorsement deals year in and year out. Paul, moving from golf to hockey, George Gillette agreed to sell about eighty percent of his stake in the Montreal Canadiens as well as control of the Bell Center and Gillette Entertainment Group to a group headed by the Molson family this week. Uh, the deal could be as high as $550 million. Now, we know that deal is going to go down. There's talk that the Phoenix Coyotes are going to be sold, and that's only a matter of time. It looks like there could be several teams on the sales block this offseason. Is this good or bad for the NHL? Oh, I think, you know, new infusion of uh, of ownership is, is you know, can't help but be a good thing, I think, for the league. One of the things it does do, given the price points that we're seeing, uh, you know, tossed about particularly with the, and for your Canadian listeners, the Montreal Canadiens, if we want to use the correct Canadian pronunciation, the, you know, the value of these transactions sort of, you know, validates the economic model and the viability of, of the sports league, you know, long term. I think the Arizona situation is a little bit more difficult in, in that we're still probably not going to know until, you know, Later in August, whether this team will stay in Arizona, it was a it was a challenging environment uh, to begin with. Uh, now the Coyotes are, are are you know looking to be sold. Jerry Reinsdorf, uh, the White Sox uh, chairman and and obviously involved with the Bulls, looks to be maybe someone coming in as a white knight to try to save the team. But um, obviously the city of Glendale that put an enormous amount of investment behind a facility in Jobbing.com Arena and the uh, commercial district that's been built around that um, and. And now they're going to be asked to make a number of major financial concessions in order to keep the team in Phoenix. And it, it does go to show that, you know, maybe hockey in Arizona uh, isn't necessarily the best place for hockey these days. And, and obviously the discussion about maybe some other markets being more viable, whether it be in the United States, like in Vegas, uh, or certainly in uh, in Ontario, or, you know, some somewhat of a second uh, team to the Toronto area, you know, may ultimately be where the NHL needs to be long term. Montreal used to be one of the storied franchises in all of North American sports and obviously has won a number of championships. Are you surprised that the price is $550 million? And that, by the way, includes the Bell Center and the Jet Gillette Entertainment Group. Do you think uh, that's the right price? Uh, you know, hard to know without looking deep into their financials, but I feel fairly comfortable that that probably reflects the value of uh, of the operation. And I, you know, I suppose with somebody, and I think you hit on a very important point. You know, as you look at the, you know, the global business of uh, of pro sports, there are only a, a few brands that 
could potentially transcend their market. Uh, and for many years, the Montreal Canadiens were the ones that did that in the sport of hockey. And, you know, maybe the new ownership group in the Molsons looks at, albeit this is maybe apples to oranges comparisons, you know, the Manchester United, the, you know, New York Yankees, you know, could somehow, some way they build a global brand around what arguably has been the, uh, you know, the, the, the team synonymous with, with hockey success. I'm joined by Paul Swangard. He's the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Go to warsawcenter.com for more information on them. Uh, let's talk tennis, Paul. Wimbledon going on, obviously one of the grand slams in tennis. And a lot of people who don't watch tennis are pulled in to watch this tournament, like myself. And while the TV ratings haven't been great, the crowds at the event at the All England Lawn and Tennis Club have been record-setting. What do you attribute the record crowds to? Well, I I think it's, you know, one of those uh, events to, uh, you know, put on your, you know, for the lack of a better term, your bucket list. I I mean, I think it it is one of those activities that, um, like you said, is something that uh, even the casual fan will, will draw interest in. And, you know, while I don't totally know the makeup of those who are going through the turnstiles there at the All England Club. I would assume it's a mixture of those who, you know, go every year and those who say, you know, I'd always wanted to go see, you know, a Wimbledon, you know, in person. And I I think, you know, the facility investments they've they put in there, you know, the retractable roof now on uh, on their center court and some of the other amenities there has made it, you know, more of a of a festival and an atmosphere where you know, you know, you can go in there and and pay your money and and expect to see a match, even you know, given what we've seen in the past with uh, weather being a little iffy during that tournament from uh, from time to time. So, uh, yeah, I just think it's one of those events that uh, has done a very nice job of of maintaining its uh, its viability as not just one of the crown jewels of of tennis sporting events, but, you know, perhaps one of the crown jewels of sporting events uh, each and every summer uh, on, a, on a global sports calendar basis. Do you think Roger Federer chasing career grand slam number 15, which would be the all-time record breaking Sampras' record, do you think maybe that's drawing in a few extra people that might not come otherwise? Oh. I'm sure that that is, but the, you know, there's other storylines and, and, and others who are you know playing at a very high level. I think you know the, you know, at the end of the day, while um, you know it continues to try to find and resonate, you know, particularly domestically in the United States, uh, you know, with uh, sports fans, and I think that's because of an absence of a of a major American star. Uh, they've been able to do you know quite well in other parts of the world. I've, I've attended several uh, you know ATP tennis events in in my travels to China, and I can tell you that you know those folks are you know absolutely enamored with with the sport over there and so there are other markets that I think will will help continue to drive growth in this sport and and certainly good signs showing that uh, at least in that part of Europe uh, you know the fanaticism is still growing and and growing quite well all right I've got to ask you something about uh, something that happened this week in your neck of the woods over there at the University of Oregon for the fourth time this decade the University of Oregon football team has a major, uh, I don't know, retrofitting of their uniforms, let's call it. There's 80 different combinations. We're talking about helmets that have little specks of, uh, what is it, uh, lightning bolt-shaped elements that create an almost 3D gray appearance. I mean, there's different color helmets. There's 80 different color combinations. What's the, and I know Nike's behind this, is this stuff that really gets kids in high school to go, you know what? If I'm looking at a few different schools, I'm going to go to this one because they have the coolest uniforms. It 
It, it absolutely creates the conversation starter, and that's what I, I would think any uh, football coach uh, slash recruiter would tell you is the is the most important thing. You know, if if no one is aware of my product or or my team exists, then then how am I going to create any sense of uh, interest and 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 demand in, in coming to play for us? I think the you know the, the teaching moment for this, and we've talked about this in the context of the classrooms here at the Warsaw Center, is that when you know the team at Nike looked at the notion of uniform tradition everyone there and, and everyone in your audience would point to the USC's and the Penn States and, and the schools that never change their uniforms right. and, and that tradition is what makes them uh, memorable and so the, the I think their out-of-the-box thinking was well let's go to the other end of the spectrum and try to own a tradition of always changing and and I think to their credit they have gone such the opposite direction that if you were to put all the teams on a you know on a perceptual map of you know where they change their look and and uh, and whether they you know stay the the same way the test of time you know Oregon finds itself owning a space in the the mind shares of consumers that is absolutely from a marketing standpoint what you want to do. You want to create differentiation for your product and, you know, speckled helmets with with wings that purportedly help abrasion on uniforms and give you, you know, 25% less, uh, you know, weight when they're wet with perspiration is uh, is kind of a fun story to tell and and it's a story that you could talk to any of your listeners in any part of the country and they would absolutely know University of Oregon. Oh yeah, those guys that change their uniforms every day. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of become interesting because the University of Oregon has become the test lab for Nike. I mean, it seems like before we see high-performance gear coming out anywhere, whether it's football, basketball, track and field, we're seeing it at the University of Oregon first. And to me, if I'm a student athlete who's looking at where am I going to go to school, that might be something that uh, puts me over the top to sign with Oregon. Well, I think it, it certainly can, and I, you know, I think at the end of the day, and this is not a, you know, this is not an infomercial for Nike or the University of Oregon, but the, you know, the the heritage of the company is is that the, you know, the the head track and field coach here, Bill Bowerman, who uh, had a young man running for him in Phil Knight, and they built a relationship that led to the formation of Nike. Is that, you know, Bill Bowerman used the University of Oregon and his athletes as a test bed for his own level of. Innovation, whether it would be track surfaces or eventually into the designing of, of shoes. So in that spirit, that that type of innovation and testing continues. The the players are absolutely involved in the process of creating the new designs. The uh, uh, you know the surfaces here and the and the materials that are put out here are obviously being utilized in a in a product development type of process for the folks up at Nike. And you know I you know. It's a fortunate relationship. It's one that uh, is very unique in the world of sport, but uh, you know, certainly something that, to the credit of the athletic department here, you know, certainly something they're trying to take advantage of. And uh, certainly, as I walked into the bookstore uh, here on campus today, the day after they uh, announced that new, uh, you know, set of uniforms, they're already flying off the shelves, and and that doesn't hurt your licensing revenue either. No, it definitely doesn't. So, last question on this: Don't the players? Do the coaches let the players select what? Uh, uniform they want to wear on any given Saturday? Don't they get to vote on that? I believe it's a, it's a somewhat collaborative effort with with ultimate authority still uh, you know vested in the uh, the person that's getting paid a whole lot of money to win football games. But uh, you know to your point, eighty eighty combinations and uh, you know when they come out of their two story 
you know, $3 million rocker room and walk into their, uh, you know, very loud uh, Austin Stadium on a Saturday with three-dimensional helmets, uh, <laughs> there, there certainly is an intimidation factor that, uh, you know, also creates an environment for uh, – uh, for hopefully uh, intimidation of the opposition. And uh, at the end of the day, as they've learned with some of the very ugly stuff that they've also put out there Ooh. in terms of uniforms, your uniform is only as good as your, uh, as your team's play on the field. And uh, these guys will look silly if they don't start winning football games. That is true. All right, before I let you go, uh, what's the latest at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center? Yeah, transition into summer. We're uh, you know we're getting ready for uh, you know big year ahead of us. Uh, as you've you know have been involved with before, we're uh, taking our crew over to China again in uh, September to look at what's left of the uh, post-Olympic uh, scenarios. Uh, as we've been following, and I'm sure your listeners have been as well. There's uh, a lot of empty buildings now, and in, uh, in the fallout of the 2008 games, so we'll see that, and then also gearing up for, uh, in our neck of the woods, the next Olympic Games coming uh, to Vancouver, British Columbia in February of 2010. So we're, uh, we're excited for uh, another year, but enjoying the, uh, you know, the fruits of, of living in, in the beautiful Northwest in the summer where it's 75 degrees, no humidity, and uh, not a lot of students to be found. Paul, good stuff as always. Thanks for making time for us on Sports Business Radio this week. Thanks, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back, and the NBA draft took place this week in New York. And, Nathan, uh, it was an interesting week. Not a very deep draft. It was really Blake Griffin, number one to the Clippers. And then after that, it was kind of a crapshoot. I mean, even the number two pick, Hashim Tabit from Connecticut, you know, here's a guy who... Could be a good defender, but really has uh, limited offensive skills. And we're seeing guys picked five, six, seven, eight who are flyers, as I would call them. And, you know, besides Ricky Rubio, I don't know that there's anyone in this draft that you can look at and say, that's a really marketable guy. That guy has a flair in his game. That's a guy that's going to sell tickets for us. And,. It was a very weak draft, in my opinion. So you've got GMs who had a lot of pressure on them because they've got to pick someone, and they've got to get it right, and they've got to find a guy who's going to positively impact their team, but they've also got to find a guy who is somewhat marketable as well. Well, yeah, and this draft really only had two names that are household names to the casual and you know casual college basketball NBA fan. You know, obviously Ed Griffin, and then you have... 
Tyler Hansborough, who goes at what, 13 or 14. So, I mean, if you're if you're a casual person watching the draft, a lot of these guys are pretty unfamiliar to you, which is different than what we've had with Odin and Durant and years past. So kind of a weak draft, if you will. Well, here's the thing that's very interesting about today's NBA. And we saw this play out just so apparently this week. The league has become the haves and the have-nots. You've got the buyers and you've got the sellers. And I talked about this on my blog this week at sportsbusinessradio.com if you want to go on there and, and read my thoughts. But basically, there are owners, and we've talked about this for months on this show, that are losing money in their everyday businesses, whether it's real estate, whether it's the banking industry, whether it's the computer and technology industry. There are lots of owners losing considerable amounts of money. And these are toys to them. These teams are not, oh my gosh, uh, this is my bread and butter. This is what I'm making my living off of. This is their toy. So if they're going to cut their losses anywhere, they're going to cut it with their toy. They're either going to sell their toy or they're going to say, i got to cut payroll with my toy. So you've got other teams who are saying, you know what, I'm close to winning a championship. San Antonio goes out and gets Richard Jefferson. Salary dump for the Bucks. They get rid of Jefferson and his big contract. They take on two players with expiring contracts. Vince Carter goes from New Jersey to Orlando. New Jersey takes back players who are on rookie contracts or who are on expiring contracts. Uh, the Shaquille O'Neal deal, and we'll talk about this more later, but that was a salary dump for Phoenix. They take on two expiring contracts, and they give an expiring contract of Shaquille O'Neal. But Phoenix ended up saving about $10 million by doing this deal because they got cash considerations back from Cleveland, and uh, it saves them money in the short term. And Robert Sarver, the owner of the Suns, who's in the banking industry, has been losing a lot of money. And if you're an owner like Sarver, you look at your team and you go, is this a team that is in a championship window. No, you're not anymore. You're not in a championship window. If I'm not in a championship window, then why do I have a huge payroll? And I'm, am I willing to pay luxury tax? No, I'm not. So what are you going to do? You're going to dump your players. You're going to try and get expiring contracts. You're going to try and get draft picks. I mean, what's become golden, Nathan, in the NBA is if you can have a competitive team with young players who are on rookie contracts, that's golden. And an example of that right now is the Portland Trailblazers. You've got Brandon Roy, LaMarcus Aldridge, Greg Oden. You've got a lot of guys who are very talented players on rookie contracts. Now, it gets tough for the Blazers when these guys come up for their second contract because now you've got to back up the truck and you've got to pay them a lot of money. But if you can put together a competitive team, which I think is what Minnesota's trying to do, on the cheap, that's what you're going to do. And you can go to your owner and say, look, we're somewhat competitive. We're not going to win a championship, but I'm doing this on the cheap. And I've got a bunch of young guys who we're paying rookie salaries to, and it's not going to cost you a lot of money. Well, one of the things you have to think about is how is this economy going to shape the future of these contracts? I mean, are we going to start to see reduced contracts that normally would have been higher. Let's look at the Blazers, for example, like you just mentioned. When when, Brand, when it comes time to re-sign Brandon Roy, is he going to get the massive 
contract that he might have gotten two years ago. I don't think so. I think we're going to start to see athletes in general, professional athlete contracts, go down a little bit in value. Well, I think he'll get a maximum contract, Brandon Roy Roy will, and he can actually get that starting in July. But what's going to happen is the collective bargaining agreement is going to be up for renegotiation here in the next year. And I think, you know, a maximum deal contract is you can sign your own player to six years. You can sign another player to a five-year contract. I think we're going to see those maximum years reduced to probably five and four, maybe even four and three. And, you know, everyone's talking about, and we had Kevin Pritchard, the general manager of the Blazers, on a few weeks ago. Everyone's talking about the summer of 2010. LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Amari Stoudemire, Yao Ming, Dirk Nowitzki. The list goes on of players that are impact players that are going to be on the free agent market. And I think what you're seeing several teams do this year is they're basically saying to their fans, look, we don't have any chance to win this year. We're just going to go out and go through the motions this next season. But come 2010, we're going to clear cap space. We're going to try and put ourselves in a position to go out and sign one of those difference makers who can turn our fortunes around in a hurry. Now, that's all well and great, but what do you tell to people you're trying to sell tickets to for next year? I mean, are you just going to tell them, look, I'm throwing in the towel next year and bear with us. We'll be, we'll be good again in 2010. That's when we're going to try and, and win a championship. And then if you're Cleveland, you know, or Miami, you're doing everything you can to keep LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, and you're trying to show them now, this year. There is an urgency for those general managers, Pat Riley in Miami, Danny Ferry in Cleveland, to win now and show these guys, look, when it comes around the next summer, it's worth sticking around with our team because we're building a championship organization for you. Well, what makes it tough, too, is the, is the owners and the GMs who are losing money, they do have a marquee player. Now they're in a position where... Maybe they can win a championship, or maybe they can dump one of these expensive players. So which direction do you go? You know, if, if you keep them and you have to sign a championship team, you're going to be paying a lot more money, but you're going for the championship. The one thing I want to note is, and this is so important, if you're Cleveland, if you're Miami, if you're Toronto, the advantage you have to sign LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, you can offer them an extra year more than anyone else to retain your own free agent, and you can offer them about $30 million more than anyone else. So, you know, for all the people saying LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh are going to leave, keep that in mind. If LeBron goes to New York or goes to L.A. or goes somewhere else, can he make up the $30 million that he's going to leave on the table in Cleveland? Think about that. Speaking of Cleveland, some sweet success for them this week. Success. I have great news for you. How sweet it is. Right on, sweet sister. Time to highlight a winning move from the world of sports business. Oh, man, that's sweet. Sports Business Radio presents Sweet Success. That'd be sweet. Brought to you by Moose Tracks Ice Cream. To find Moose Tracks at a store near you, check out the store locator at moosetracks.com. Now, we talked about dumping payroll, dumping salaries, how that's a, a attractive thing to owners right now. If you're Cleveland and you're Dan Gilbert, the owner of the Cavaliers, something that's very attractive to you, I'm taking on Shaquille O'Neal for one year, $21 million. But here's a guy that's going to sell a ton of jerseys. He's going to sell a ton of tickets for our team. 
Not that the Cavs aren't going to sell tickets anyways because they have LeBron James quite possibly the best draw of any player in the NBA. But if you're talking, Nathan, about the number one road draw in the NBA next year, the team that everyone's going to talk about when they come to your town, the team that if you go to one NBA game next year, it's going to be this game, it's the Cleveland Cavaliers. Two of the mega stars of the NBA now on one team with LeBron and Shaquille O'Neal, household names, the Cavaliers are going to sell a lot of tickets and a lot of merchandise this next season. Well, even even if you didn't have Shaq coming, I think that selling season tickets next season for the Cavs is not a tough job. But can you imagine if you're the sales guy that reaches out to all the season ticket holders? That is the, one of the easiest sells you could possibly make. Or the sponsorship or the guy. Sponsorship. You might get some additional sponsors now who come on board and say, you know what? Shaq's in the mix. Let's put together some sort of a clever sponsorship around him. I mean, frankly, and this has nothing to do with business, but it does have to do with the personalities. Shaquille O'Neal and LeBron James, two of the more uh, outgoing personalities in the league, they both have very funny pregame introduction rituals. Now they're going to be on the same team. And I just think it's going to be fun to watch. You know they're going to be all over you know, Sports Center and all over TV next year. So I think there's some interesting business opportunities for the Cavaliers that, again, when you acquire a Shaquille O'Neal, yes, you're paying top dollar for him, in this case $21 million this upcoming season. But let's say for some reason things go south for the Cavaliers, they can probably move his expiring contract at the trade deadline in February. And if things do go well for you, you're going to sell a lot of Cavaliers, probably number 32 jerseys, and there's going to be sponsorship opportunities for you. Your TV ratings are probably going to be at an all-time high. From a business perspective, Shaquille O'Neal is a corporation in and of himself, and he's going to bring that to Cleveland, which is good for Dan Gilbert and the Cavaliers. And now you have an even more legitimate chance, I think, to win a championship on top of everything else. All right. Coming up, our final segment on this edition of Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. We live in an age where everything is on the record. What we say anywhere, whether it's in an elevator, in an email, or during a conversation with a reporter, is now being broadcast instantaneously on YouTube, in a blog, or through the mass media. It's easier than ever to spot someone who has been traditionally media trained and is just giving you that same old boring PR speak. I want to help you navigate the tricky media landscape. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form Evergreen Media Training. Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training, monitoring, and feedback, we'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Nike golfers will wear apparel or carry bags this week with the Livestrong logo to celebrate the scheduled return of Lance Armstrong to the Tour de France, which starts July 4th. 
at the PGA Tour Travelers Championship outside of Hartford. U.S. Open champ Lucas Glover, Stuart Sink, Justin Leonard, and others will carry a bright yellow Livestrong bag. Other golfers that are sponsored by Nike, including Anthony Kim, will wear bright yellow Livestrong shirts. Nathan, uh, good synergy going in. By the way, this story, uh, courtesy of the Sports Business Journal. Um, but good synergy between Nike and, uh, you know, it's great that the golfers will uh, lend their their efforts for uh, raising awareness for the Livestrong brand. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see their outfits. Definitely. All right. We talked earlier in the show about the passing of the King of Pop, Michael Jackson. Uh, you know, I probably played the Thriller album thousands of times as I was uh, growing up. Nathan, give me your favorite Michael Jackson song. Hands down. Billy Jean. If I'm at a wedding, you're going to see me out there moonwalking and doing the whole dance. You can moonwalk. I can moonwalk. I can do the kick and I can do the grab as well. I think we're going to make that part of the Sports Business Radio Olympics, the moonwalking competition and see who can do the best moonwalk. Now, I'm going to go with Thriller, which I also think Thriller uh, is the best music video of all time. Oh, hands down. And when you talk about music videos, Thriller and Smooth Criminal may be the two best music videos of all time. And you know, Michael Jackson, people forget MTV was kind of a fledgling network. He really put them on the map. And his videos weren't just videos. They were like mini movies. I mean, they were incredible productions. And uh, frankly, I think MTV has never been the same since uh, Michael Jackson hasn't been doing music videos anymore. So sad week, the passing of Michael Jackson. We pass along our condolences to his family and many friends and fans from Sports Business Radio. Thanks to Paul Swangard from the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center for joining us. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harrison, Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Moose Tracks Ice Cream. We enjoyed some of that this week. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Morton's The Steakhouse and Evergreen Media Training. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm Brian Berger for Nathan Roach and Bobby Corser. Have a tremendous week, and we'll talk to you next weekend right here on Sports Business Radio. Greg Oden of the Portland Trailblazers supports the Ronald McDonald Houses. I'm a big fan of the houses, happy to help them make a difference. He helps because he believes every hospitalized child should be near their family in tough times. And everyone can support this home away from home. When you purchase a McCafe Espresso drink or premium roast coffee, McDonald's donates a portion of proceeds to Ronald McDonald House charities in Oregon and Southwest Washington. At participating McDonald's for a limited time. A little change can make a big difference. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. <laughs> <laughs> 
Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday <laughs> or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. 